You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, happy Saturday. Welcome back into the Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week podcast. I'm host and audio producer of the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, Stephen Serta. No game this week, obviously. Well, unless you're really into the NFL's Pro Bowl, but we will have plenty of content for you here at Arrowhead Pride all next week leading up to the massive Super Bowl 57 matchup between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles. So this week, we spent a lot of time just recapping the Chiefs' AFC Championship game win, what worked, and and took a couple of sneak peeks at the big game coming up this week. We'll start things off with the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show discussing their marinated takeaways from the AFC Championship game. After that, it's out of structure discussing what worked for the Chiefs in the AFC title game. After that, it's the Great British Chief Show breaking down more of the Chiefs' performance. And then after that, we will take a quick timeout and get into Chiefs Coast to Coast discussing that AFC Championship game win as well as the Chiefs' legacy and some unlikely heroes. We'll wrap things up with Show and BK discussing how the Chiefs got here and what it means for them moving forward down the line. That's all coming up on today's Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. Yeah, it's a championship edition of these oh so sweet world famous marinated takeaways. The Chiefs with a 23 to 20 victory over the Cincinnati Bengals in the AFC Championship snapping three-game losing streak about this team. There's not a lot of teams in the NFL that could say that they had the Chiefs number. The Bengals could ahead of this game. Not to be the case anymore. All right, Steve, you're filling in for our great deputy editor, John Dixon, the the wise man, if if you will. So you, you have some big shoes to fill. What was your first marinated takeaway of this game? So there's been a lot of discussion around the Chiefs defensive side of the ball, especially over the back half of the season and specifically defensive coordinator Steve Spagnolo. And I think that Spags coached the best season of his career here in Kansas City this year. And I thought that at the start of the year and I maybe wavered on it a little bit mid season, but then kind of came back around to it and I I think it's something that's probably really under discussed at this point because, you know, Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid are always going to be the first people that everybody think about when they think about the Kansas City Chiefs. But what Spags did this season was kind of out of the way he normally tries to operate. He doesn't really like playing young guys all that often. And I know he's commented on in the past, like, no, that's not true, but like it is like we've seen him go out of his way not to put rookies on the field And this season. He didn't really have a choice. Right. And early in the year, I thought that he was dialing up some of his best game plans that I've ever seen him dial up. And then the Chiefs kind of midseason have this lull where they're, they're struggling and they're dealing with injuries and stuff like that. But that's not that uncommon in the NFL either. Like 
teams get tape on you. They find ways to exploit it. And then you make adjustments based on that. And SPAC's adjustments this season have been spectacular. Deciding to move Legarius Sneed around and kind of you Sneed is that chess piece that we've seen him utilize like a Tyron Matthew in the past uh, was a huge decision. Uh, having the confidence in Trent McDuffie after missing time early in the season to come in and be a guy that can play on the outside or move inside to the slot. Like those are huge decisions that really p- paid off for the Kansas city chiefs this season. And, and I just think overall we saw him put together one of his best game plans as a defensive coordinator in the AFC championship game. Like you could have not asked more for more from the chiefs defense and you couldn't have asked for more from Steve Spagnuolo. I, I thought he was just absolutely exceptional yesterday and a big reason why the Kansas City Chiefs were able to win and go to another Super Bowl. Yeah, I remember asking Dave Merritt, the defensive backs coach, at some point. I think it was, I don't know, I think it was around week 10 or week 11, and I'm guessing here. But I I was curious as to what they were thinking when it came to who to play between Jalen Watson and Joshua Williams because beginning of the year, it seemed like it was, Jalen Watson and they started to play Williams more and then it seemed like they went back to Watson and then again Watson was was playing more to start this game and then Legarius Sneed goes down and, and is in the concussion protocol and now you have to play both and the Chiefs had been maintaining and and this is what Merritt said that we like both for different reasons we're going to continue to rotate it didn't make a lot of sense to me <laughs> at a certain point you got to pick one of these guys but they kept on rotating and Joshua Williams to his credit was ready to enter the game and had an interception and Jalen Watson had an interception and the chiefs were right in saying both of these guys can play. Now you're going to see another challenge in a, c- a couple of weeks from now. That's another really good pass catching core that, that the Philadelphia Eagles offer. And we'll see if Legarius Sneed is healthy, but man, kudos to Joshua Williams more in a spot where I'm sure he was thinking he wasn't going to play much was ready to rise to the occasion and boy, did the chiefs need it. I mean, this is one of the best pass catching crews in the league in what Jamar Chase and T Higgins and, and Tyler Boyd, I know that he got hurt, but, but they offer. And so just such an important part uh, of what they were able to do. Jalen Watson ended up with two passes defensed. Another rookie had two passes defensed in McDuffie. And then you had Justin Reed, Brian cook, another rookie, and then Joshua Williams with, with one apiece. So really nice day from a young chief secondary. Brian cook had a, a tough beginning to the game, but he was involved in that final pick as well, knocking it away. So you're right. Kudos to, to Steve Spagnuolo in the game that he called and what he was able to do with a very young defense this year. My first marinated takeaway is on Patrick Mahomes, who can, can we already say now that, that Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league? Are, are we, are we still doing this or am I going to get people that are saying that it's Jalen hurts? I don't know. I've been making this point in a few places and I want to, Get it here on the Arrowhead Pride podcast airwaves. Patrick Mahomes, to me, uh, we've been looking for, for, and I've done it too, we've been looking for who's that, that rival to Patrick Mahomes? Who's going to be the, the Manning to his Brady? And I, I think we've been, been maybe wrong to do that. And I, I hope that maybe this game and what happens in two weeks stops people from doing that because I, I just think maybe it's not a, a Brady-Manning thing. I mean, we tried to do it with Lamar Jackson Patrick Mahomes counted to four when the NFL top 100 made him number one instead of Mahomes. And Mahomes was one the, the next year. So Lamar Jackson, he's been a little bit inconsistent. I'm still a Lamar Jackson fan, but I just don't think he's on the level of Patrick Mahomes. Then it was Josh Allen, right? Josh Allen, MVP favorite, the Buffalo Bills, Super Bowl favorites. Here's what we're going to do. Uh, 
the Bills are going to be the first seed. They're going to finally knock off the Chiefs, even though, by the way, the Chiefs beat them last year. And then the Chiefs lost to a team, the, the one that they faced yesterday. But it was going to be Josh Allen. Nope. The Bengals knocked him off. Now it's Joe Burrow. Joe, Joe Cool. 3-0 and against Patrick Mahomes. We finally have what is that Manning to the Mahomes-Brady. No, not again. Now I now I know they're they're one and one in these conference title games, and Burrow still has a better record against Mahomes. Not to say that the quarterbacks go one on one with each other, but Mahomes is going to the Super Bowl and Joe Burrow is not. And so, what's the common denominator here? You know, we keep going through it with Patrick Mahomes. It's just that he's the one guy, and then these adversaries keep popping up. Steve, I wouldn't be stunned if next year it's Mahomes and Trevor Lawrence with that budding Jaguars team. You know, and and so what we've been looking at is okay who is the 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 manning for the mahomes brady what we might be looking at is no man and, and i've seen this in a few other places i said it last night for what it's worth so i'm not stealing takes here mahomes is michael jordan and maybe all these other guys are patrick ewing and charles barkley and isaiah thomas and mahomes is going to prevent them from ever really having a, a ton of championships. I don't think Patrick Mahomes is going to go through his whole career from here on out and win the AFC title every year. Maybe there's a guy that slips in and they have an opportunity to win a Super Bowl. Majority of the time, like Tom Brady did 10 times, it's going to be the Chiefs playing in the Super Bowl. And you might have one of these guys sneak in you know, one year or another. And I know that that won't make fans happy, but that's just reality. I mean, it's not like he's going to win every single time. And so that's the way I'm looking at it. I don't know if there's... I don't know if there's a Manning to the Mahomes-Brady. Maybe it's just Mahomes by himself, and it's going to be a lot of these foes, and it'll be a different one each and every year. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, it's also important to remember, like, the quarterback talent in the NFL right now is insane. Like, there's just so many good young quarterbacks in the league right now, and there's been this huge influx of quarterbacks, especially in the AFC, and – they're all really good. And, you know, maybe Justin Herbert, they just signed a new offensive coordinator in Kellen Moore. Like Herbert, yeah. Maybe, yep. maybe Herbert's going to finally make that jump next season. I'm with you and maybe it's going to be Trevor because I think he, he's an exceptional talent and the Jags are really headed in the right direction. But like I already mentioned, uh, Pete, like, it's just like everybody forgot what this guy was capable of, forgot yeah. who Patrick Mahomes is. And that's why it was so important for him to win this AFC championship game, because I would have not been having a good time with all the conversation over the next couple of weeks and all this off season, like, Oh, Burrow Mahomes, who who's really the best quarterback when we're in the middle of an individual player doing something that is absolutely unprecedented in the sport. And I understand Tom Brady had the, has the success, has all the rings and, and he is the greatest to ever do it. But to do it this early in his career is not something that Brady did. Like for him to right. come in and immediately when he became an NFL starter to have the level of success year in and year out, be in the MVP conversations every year, be, get your team to a, a one seed almost every season, host five straight AFC championship games at home. Like all of that stuff is insane and, and unprecedented. And Patrick Mahomes proved yesterday that he is an unprecedented player in a time where there's a lot of young, talented quarterbacks in the NFL. He is far and away the best and nobody else is as close as they want to try to argue that they are. Yeah. And, and 
I I think it, it's even more impressive as as the NFL every year is trying to find new ways to promote parity, right? They want all 32 cities to feel like they have an opportunity to maybe win a Super Bowl, the Hoist Lombardi Trophy. And Mahomes continues to still be consistent in appearing in in three Super Bowls now. Just just wild to say. And I I know that after last one, he w- he was hungry. Not not to say that he he didn't want to beat Tom Brady, but I I think there was a feeling like okay. The Chiefs are severely handicapped. I, I think he's happy with this offensive line as they enter this game. I know that we com- sometimes will complain about an Andrew Wiley or an Orlando Brown, but this should be a different deal from for Patrick Mahomes than it was the last time he was in the Super Bowl. All right, Steve, what's your what's your next takeaway here? So my next takeaway is really just an apology to okay. Chiefs wide receiver Marquez Valdez Scantling, oh, who yeah. I have glad, been glad you got on, his name right, at least. I have been hard on him all season long. Um, I feel like week in, week out, uh, Patrick Mahomes throws footballs up to him and, and puts them in, in spots where only he can get them, and he struggles to hang on to them. And, man, he stepped up in the biggest moment for the Chiefs on offense during that AFC championship game uh, to the point where he looked like he was unstoppable, (laughs) like, like just making incredible plays and giving the chiefs these huge chunk gains. Like that was kind of what we've been looking for from him all season and kind of similar to past chiefs that we've seen in the playoffs. Like if you do it in the postseason. It's worth every penny and and MVS did it in the postseason, kind of similar to the way Frank Clark's Chiefs career has gone to to Sammy Watkins coming up with huge plays in the playoffs. At the end of the day, that's all that matters. So all of the MVS slander I have put out into the world this season, I apologize, Marquez, (laughs) you were spectacular yesterday, and and I absolutely owe you an apology for the way I have questioned your skill this season. Well, that used to be a thing with with questioning the Watkins contract and questioning the Clark contract. And, you know, it's it's an interesting question, but the reality remained that if you didn't have Frank Clark and if you didn't have Sammy Watkins during those 19 runs, you don't win the championship. And so even if it's just their playoff performances, they're worth the money. And Marquez Valdez-Scantling, I, I think we expected more from him, him to be more consistent than he was this year in 2022 during the regular season. But guess what? And he had the AFC title game of his life. <laughs> and I don't think if he plays that way and makes those tough catches, the Chiefs win. I mean, they only won by three points in this game. So I completely agree with you. And now that contract is worth it, especially if they win the next game. I mean, Marquez Valdez-Gantley could have another inconsistent game. And if the Chiefs win, it's still going to be worth it because of the game he had to get them there. And I completely agree. I don't know if you need to apologize, it's, Steve. If, I, if he has a huge Super Bowl, too, like I was... <laughs> I was oh he's getting cut he's not like if he beats Richard Sherman with an over over the shoulder catch down the right sideline Super Bowl he's gonna ensure his (laughs) roster spot for next season and the Chiefs will keep him this offseason uh this is more of a a question for my next marinade takeaway than than really a definitive takeaway which is always my cop out but I don't care is Chris Jones the best defensive player in the league like why can't he play like that each and every week this guy is incredible sometimes I, I know that a lot a lot of people would say Micah Parsons right or maybe Aaron Donald Nick when he's Bosa. healthy 
Nick Bosa, Joey Bosa, the Bosa family. Um, you know, speaking of, of Joey Bosa, rein it in. I don't know if you saw this <laughs> clip out there yesterday, Steve. Holy moly. Um, he was at the San Francisco game and 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 Philadelphia and he was he was being heckled by a fan and he did not respond like a, a yeah. mature professional athlete. Maybe should. You can look it up if you want. But that, that's beside the point. But my goodness, man. Chris Jones, you know, you talk about if MBS plays well in the Super Bowl. If Chris Jones plays like this in the Super Bowl, there is no way the Chiefs don't leave with with the Lombardi Trophy in Arizona. It, it was a performance where I think the Bengals knew they were going to have to give Chris Jones extra attention. They did give Chris Jones extra attention, and it really didn't matter. He had came into the game with no playoff sacks, 10-plus games, was able to get two sacks, and we had mentioned the, the sack after the big Hayden Hurst catch that really sealed the vibe for the Chiefs. They weren't winning at that point, but you really felt better about that chances uh, about their chances they went on to to win the football game but jones not only did it himself i I just think he opened the door for frank clark to have three quarterback hits and a sack and a half for george Karloftis to get to to get his sack in in this game and and so it's just setting the tone and and it creates an interesting situation because i think ahead of the year we thought oh man look at this cap number for 2023 if he has another for a while he was having those like nine-ish, ten-ish sacks year sack years. Had a little bit of a contract year this year where he's certainly gonna be on the team in, in next next year. And and you wonder if he even has played himself into an enormous contract extension, right? Like I, I don't think that's off the table at, at this stage. And um yeah, I mean the, the Chiefs needed that type of performance and they got it from Chris Jones. Yeah, no, Chris Jones just just kind of putting, you know, kind of like, again, like he, you, again, he, he said it last year. It is a storybook, right? It really is. And that's what, you know, I mean, he's putting himself into a position where with two season, 15 and a half sacks, these dominant playoff performances, man, he could have, he could give himself, you know, an opportunity to be a hall of fame player. If he continues on any sort of longevity um, uh, streak, which is awesome. I mean, he, this chiefs team just has so many talented players and, and, you know, it's just been so cool to see him progress over the years. But no, you're right. Uh, they did not move him around to defensive end on the edge at all in that regular season matchup. He really stayed in one spot and the Bengals took advantage. They double teamed, forced the other interior rusher to win one on one. And Colin Saunders and I think Dana may have been in that game, I believe, just weren't doing it that game as well. Yeah, Dana was in that game this time. They were moving him around so he couldn't get double teamed as much, right? And he still was getting double teamed. Uh, Caleb James, our guy, um, he's going to have a, a great article on Chris Jones coming out. He actually had a, a he had the breakdown for us. He's been looking at the film. Uh, in 45 pass rushdowns, Chris Jones was double teamed 30 times and triple teamed twice. He won or affected the play on 10 of the reps he was doubled on. Of his 13 downs being blocked by one player, he won 11 of them two sacks, 10 pressures, five quarterback hits, and one holding call. And I believe one of those pressures led to the intentional grounding. Uh, again, I, just an unbelievable performance. So I don't know. We could talk about Chris Jones all day, Stacks. Absolutely. If you, Your question was, is this the greatest defensive line performance in, in playoff history? And we were looking, trying to find other impressive pass rush performances in playoff history. It looks to us, at least in recent memory, like there's two guys that have had three sack games. Uh the great Reggie White and uh, Frank Clark, <laughs> <laughs> two guys that have had uh, three sacks in a playoff game. Uh, Chris Jones is one of a number of guys who had two, but I don't think just the fact that he had two sacks encapsulates what he accomplished in this particular game. 
He was dominant beginning to end against the pass and the run. He stopped drives in the first half, uh, especially towards the end of uh, the first half when the the Bengals were driving and the Chiefs had just gone three and out, uh, mm-hmm. given up their chance at this, you know, doubling up at the end of, around oh halftime. God. That it was a very frustrating time for all of us. And Chris Jones blows through the line of scrimmage and gets a tackle for loss on a, on the running back, forcing them to kick a field goal instead of scoring a touchdown there. It's a momentum changing play that wasn't even reflected, you know, in in the pass rush stats. Uh, you know, I think it's really hard to to box score your way into a, a story around Chris Jones because it was it was one of those games where it was so impressive to watch and so impactful whether he, you know, got the sack specifically or not. Right, and he just set other people up to get get sacks, you know, constantly. I mean, there's a there's a play, the Willie Gay one that he got half a sack. You know, they go to double Chris that that leaves uh, Frank and Willie only with only one guy to block one of them, and so Frank's open, and Willie comes from the outside, forces Joe to step up, and Frank's right there um, with a smart play to kind of move to the front of the pocket and and, sh- and shut off the scramble. Chris Jones was just impacting pretty much every single play. He was he was in the game uh, to to an, to an extent, but I will say. We're on the defensive topic, man. You got to give credit to the back end, the coverage, uh, the the defense, uh, you know, behind Chris Jones to give him some time. There were definitely sacks that Burrow's coming off his first or second read, right? It's because, and this was a key key thing, and I know we're going to get to this, Spags. We talked about, you know, things that we previewed before the game. But this was a thing I talked about. Spags, you know, disguising coverage. And he trusted three rookie cornerbacks because Legereus Sneed went out the fourth defensive play of the game. He trusted three rookie cornerbacks. Also, with a, a lot of play from Brian Cook, the safety being having to play uh, a lot because they were playing a lot more dime, just naturally, kind of with a lot more pass defense. And Willie Gay was out, so uh, you know you kind of you know you lose that advantage in nickel um, and pass downs having Willie and Nick Bolton. But all that to say, the back end played their butts off. The rookies really, you know, they they gave up some plays, sure, but they made some huge plays as well. And I, you know, I don't think you know you could ask for much more from from three rookies stepping into a situation. Yeah, to have four rookies in your defensive backfield on the field yeah. at the same time uh, and another up on the defensive line, I mean, this was a as impressive a performance as I've ever seen in one day from a rookie class. And Field Gates tweeted this out. If you start in the first round and you go all the way down, Trent McDuffie, six tackles, two passes defended. He was amazing, I thought, throughout the game, the way he tackled, mm-hmm. the way he was aggressive on the ball. Sure, wish he would have pulled in that first interception. That would have been awesome. But right. otherwise, uh, incredible day for McDuffie. George Karloff just got a sack. Sky Moore had one of the most impactful special teams plays you'll ever see with that punt return at the end of the game. Uh, Brian Cook, four tackles, broke up a pass. Joshua Williams, interception. Jalen Watson, interception. Isaiah Pacheco had 85 total yards. I mean, the the rookies top to bottom were one of the three stories of the game. If you had to say the the reason the Chiefs won this game is Patrick Mahomes, Chris Jones, and the rookie class. Like that's that's why they won this game. Those guys were were unbelievable. Yeah, and it and it wasn't because they were necessarily like expected to do all of that, right? A lot of the rookies were forced to step in. You know, I kind of just already mentioned it, but uh, you know, Sneed goes out, right? And and so you know, McDuffie was playing in the slot, I think, and they were going to 
um, you know, kind of play him in the slot because they, I think they want Snead on chase. I believe uh, someone said that, right? Andy said that after the game um, that they wanted Snead to lock up on chase. So McDuffie would have been playing in the slot either way, but that is Snead's main position. So McDuffie kind of has to take over that role, which forces Joshua Williams, someone who unfortunately got benched this year because, you know, uh, for another rookie, um, he has to step in and play again. And then because I, I mentioned Willie Gay's injury, they just they want to go more dime. They want to get three safeties on the field, something that they don't do as much this year as they have in years past. So the Dan Sorensen packages, that's why he was always on the fields because they were always in dime. Um, and Ben Neiman, um, they didn't. They wanted to go to it because they don't have Willie Gay in the, in the on the field. So Brian Cook is forced to step in. And how about Brian Cook on that one interception um, that ended up in Joshua Williams' hands? But you know, just turns at the perfect moment tip drill like we teach our eighth like i've taught my eighth graders before as a db's coach you know we're running the tip drill that's what you do that's what you do when you have that situation you could tell he knew where joshua williams was you could tell he was trying to do that like it was not this like lucky play where he just oh shoot like deflected it you know out of nowhere he was trying to give a turnover to you know not just be a pass deflection give the chiefs a turnover yeah, I mean, and, some people yeah. would have swatted that ball down, or right. or or tried to tried to catch it himself. Like it was that was extremely intentional and and just beautifully executed. Right. No, yeah, it, it was. No, I so I I just totally agree with you. The rookie classes, it, it was just nice to see them. And Sky Moore, even you could say, you know, I mean, obviously you can say the dude should not have been punt returning ever again in his entire NFL career. But obviously, what else are they supposed to do when Tony McColl and Justin Watson are all not active? on the field or, you know, just not on the field. Yeah. I, you got to go to him and he stepped up when it mattered. He had a few punt returns, but obviously the one at the end really was the the difference maker. This, this to me, I, I, I don't know if this is an apt analogy or not, but this was like the Rudy moment. Uh, so thinking about this, this game as a movie script, when Sky Moore comes in there and he drops back to that punt, you know, to catch that punt. I, I know I had my breath, held i know everybody probably in the stadium was just like yes i was celebrating when he caught it like not when he ran not when he he crossed the 50 yard line i was happy that he cleanly caught that football if he had just done that and fallen down it would have been a successful play but like he was such the underdog in that situation it was such a a case of somebody who was who looked completely inept early in the season doing that exact thing. And for that to be the thing that puts them in the Super Bowl more, more than just about anything else on that last drive was that punt return. I mentioned it before. You could argue that this is one of the, uh, and, and I think there was a, a case made on, on Twitter, that this was one of the most impactful postseason uh, special teams plays in history. And yeah. if you if you go to the advanced stats and you say what is the win probability for the Chiefs at that moment, it was fifty nine percent before that punt return. It was seventy one percent afterwards. It was the biggest or the twelfth biggest jump uh, of the season for one punt return, changing the outcome of a game. But when you put that in context of postseason history, I've got two in my head two postseason plays that are on the same level as this one, but uh, can you think of another one off the top of your head where special uh, teams generally just special teams in general, not just our special. What are the, the, the three biggest special teams plays in chiefs postseason history? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, One is the sky more return. What are, what are the other two? 
Well, uh, I throw back to the, the Alex Smith days. I got to believe Niall Davis kick return touchdown. Yeah. Maybe he's got to be one of them. I think so. Too. And Dan Sorensen tackle Justin Reed on the fake punt. Maybe. Oh, there you go. That, that was a big one. There was also a, a big uh, McCall Hardman return in one of those games when they were coming from behind in the Super Bowl run. I, and I can't, I yeah. can't put my finger on it right That's now. That's the, but... that... You're right. That's the Texans game. Yeah, it was the first. It was the first jolt of energy that game. We we're down twenty-four nothing. That the ensuing kickoff. Yeah, you're right. He did take it past midfield. But but you're right though. The Dan Sorensen play on the fake uh, on the fake was uh, that was an elite. That was in Dan Sorensen's uh, uh, Hall of Fame case right there. Uh, <laughs> well, shoot. Even even the uh, the Darwin Thompson fumble recovery where uh, I can't remember who popped it up. Was it Dan? Dan might have. No, I think it was somebody else. Someone popped it. Michael Burton might have. Or Sherman. Sorry, Anthony Sherman. Yeah, Michael Burton. that was Sherman. Disrespectful. And yeah, because Sherman. I remember Darwin catching that and, and being like, wait, what do I do? Yeah, now? he had the college <laughs> rules. Yeah, Everybody he had the like, college Run. rules. Run. Yeah. So, no, that, that was a monster play. It just, again, a heartwarming story for a kid who – who has been through it. I mean, he caught a lot of, uh, of booze. He got a lot of, uh, you know, obviously Twitter hate uh, for the way he handled punts earlier in the season. We all couldn't wait for him to be, to be off of that punt return duty to the point where we were hoping and, and were rewarded with somehow Justin Watson returning punts because, uh, because he would catch the ball. And the, you're right that the confluence of events that had to happen for, for Sky Moore to be in that situation, Watson was inactive. Um, everybody else got hurt. <laughs> I mean, it was there wasn't a lot of alternative. It was his. It was him or nobody, and and he made that play. And I think it's just going to be one of the great stories. And hopefully, it's a confidence builder for him going forward. This is something he can build on to say, "Hey, I can play this game at this level. I can come up big in the biggest moments." Uh, hopefully it's something he can build on not only as a returner, but as a receiver, because he still doesn't seem like totally on the same page as a receiver uh, with, with Mahomes yet, but you have a couple of big postseason performances and, and all of a sudden uh, you springboard your career in a lot of cases. Yeah, I will say I just, just cause it popped in my head when you said that uh, he had, he was open on one play that would have been a big conversion, but Mahomes just way off on the throw. It was kind of a weird, there was that stretch where the ankle really felt like it affected him. Like it really felt like he was just, and they wouldn't run the ball. And frankly, I mean, they can't, they couldn't really run the we ball. So maybe that yeah. was a good, good idea. Um, so yeah, but, but no, I, I will say sky, I don't think he, Tobe will probably force him to still try returner, but I think they should just keep him at receiver and let other people worry about <laughs> in the future. I, I would agree. But again, hopefully this is a, the, the start of a, a, a bigger things for McColl in the future, wherever he is on the field. Um, another guy who had a, a what I would say is a redemption story for this game is is Joshua Williams. You talked about the, the cornerbacks. Uh, you know, Joshua Williams was was on the bench. He also was targeted a little bit, even in this game. You know, there was there were a couple of plays where uh, where it, it looked like he was going to be the guy that Joe Burrow was able to pick on. And he came back after being targeted, after giving up a couple of big plays and made one of the biggest plays in the game. So uh, you just saw that story repeat itself over and over again. Guys, even within this game, were able to turn their fate, turn their fortune around. There's, there's one particular Bengals fan that come after me last week 
Um, even though I thought five questions was very, I don't know, polite of me last week. Respectful, I I, mate, you see? It was respectful. respectful like, exactly. Yeah, it was respectful the way I um, applied myself in five questions last week. But, you know, some Bengal fans still wanted to go at me for what I said in December. So I'm going to, I'm just going to, I'm going to pay a little bit of attention to the Cincy Jungle uh, comment section over the next few weeks. And if I see that particular person pop up in the comments, I'm going to uh, go at them. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a petition. <laughs> I'm not petty. I'm not petty, mate, honestly. That's fine. <laughs> no, there's a petition going around at the moment. I don't know if you've seen it, but they're trying to get a redo of the game. Cincinnati. Oh, for fuck's sake, really? <laughs> yeah, there's one going. It's had about 200 signatures so far. So, uh, yeah, good luck with that. Good luck with that. Uh, we can't even get an online petition to get free uh, kids free school meals in this country. How's it going to get a rematch of the uh, well, RFC Championship game? Anything just, can happen over in America, mate. Anything can happen. Just yeah, I know online petitions. <laughs> I, I don't know about. I don't know where I stand online petitions. No. Like, I, what's, I, wrong I, with a, what's wrong with a good old strike? What's wrong with a good old strike? Everybody out. Everybody. <laughs> yeah. As you see, you can have Bengals fans outside the uh, Arizona Cardinal Stadium just saying, no, <laughs> it should be us. It should be us. It should be us. <laughs> no, I, yeah. It, just going over the, the level of disrespect was... was. Oh, yeah. speaking of disrespect, I don't know you've seen his video. We have to talk about that Eagles fan and Joey Bosa. Oh, yes, we do. That no, was... Ultimate trolling from that uh, that Eagles fan. Yeah, I would you would you have the balls to do something like that, Joey Bosa? No, <laughs> <laughs> it's just the way. If you haven't watched the video, Cheese Kingdom, honestly, just search Joey Bosa on Twitter or socials or YouTube, it will pop up. But essentially, it's just um, Eagles fan taunting Joey Bosa because he has to watch his brother in the AFC Championship game. He's not actually playing in one, and um, so yeah, he um, he taunts Joey Bosa, and Joey Bosa just decides to. Turn around and go, yeah, well, thank you, thank you. We're giving it all of that. And then he's like, I and then someone's mentioned fines. He's like, I can pay my fines, I can pay my fines because I can afford it, because I'm rich. And the Eagles fans. <laughs> and like, an Eagles so fan just turn around. So can I. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> now that see fan trash talking is funny. Yeah. And it is funny. But um the mayor or the mayor of Cincinnati just I, I, when Travis Kelsey called him out, that was I, class. I, I, honestly, that has to be on his Hall of Fame highlight reel. It has to be. Because <laughs> what I love, what I love about Travis Kelsey, right, is because me and him are basically the same age. Right? Yeah. And and I look at his and Jason Kelsey's relationship, and it is very very similar to myself and my brother's relationship. <laughs> and you look at the things that they're interested in, sports, wrestling, all that stuff, and it reminds me a lot of uh, me and my brother. And when he does stuff, especially wrestling related, it just hits home because he clearly watched the same era of wrestling as I did. Yeah, clearly did. Like, and obviously, so he's in that like a, a late nineties, early two thousands WWF attitude era, right? Like, yeah. When it when wrestling was at its absolute peak. So when he comes in with the when he comes in with the rock quote, like know your role and shut your mouth. A, it reminded me of how good those two games were on the PlayStation One, by the way. <laughs> ah, <yeah. laughs> and, and B, it just made me die. Honestly, they need to, they need to get the Rock back in doing the Super Bowl promotions, like the entrances this year for the Super Bowl. Well, he's our mate, the Rock, isn't he? He's our mate. <laughs> yeah, they, honestly, we'll, we'll because... ask him. We'll get we'll get him asked. <laughs> yeah, actually, saying that, have you seen he's retweeted Kelsey's kind of speech 
Yeah, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, yeah, yeah it looked good. That, yeah, it, it, yeah, game recognizes game clearly. Do you reckon it'd be? Do you reckon because obviously Gronk's given it a go? Can you see Travis Kelsey like making his way into the WWE? I think. Do you know what? I think after saying that, I think there's a way in. Yeah. Um, awesome. it, it, what? No, I was going to just say I'm trying to get my way into the WWE. Because, oh, you're um, I won't. Yeah, because John Cena started following me on Twitter last week. What? Yeah, I don't know why, but John Cena started following me on Twitter. Clearly, that blue um, check mark you've got, mate, isn't it? Maybe, maybe he's here just for my Chiefs takes, my excellent Chiefs takes. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, I um immediately DM'd him. He's not got back to me. The first first thing I DM'd him was how many retweets of me versus you at Mania. <laughs> <laughs> he's not got back to me yet. I'll let if you know. Says, if he says two, I'm definitely retweeting. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, let's get let's get, let's carry on with the game a little bit more because there's a there's a few more shout outs we're going to give here on this because um we talked about Mahomes we talked about Kelsey but we've got to talk about the defensive side because Chris Jones was an absolute monster in this game. This was one of those games where he was just like over my dead body are you going to get anything past me on this game? And yeah. he was lights out the best defensive player on the field there. Best defensive, he, I think he was the best player on the field. <laughs> yeah. He was definitely a, a, a massive uh, kind of turning point in this game because from go- from never getting to Joe Burrow to suddenly getting to him in, what, three or four times in the first quarter, I mean, that wasn't just Chris Jones alone. Obviously, that was the, obviously the, the complete pass rush. But mm-hmm. having Jones do that and he was still getting double teamed. Yeah. I've got some stats for you here. Go on. Can I see of uh, our colleague... Uh, our head pride, Caleb James. Yeah. 45 pass rush downs. Chris Jones was double teamed 30 times and triple teamed twice. What? He won or affected to play on 10 of those reps. He was doubled on. On his 13 downs being blocked one-on-one, he won 11 of them. Total two sacks, 10 pressures, five QB hits, and one holding call. That is monstrous. Like, that was one of the best defensive performances I've ever seen. Yes. Ever. That was monstrous. That like, yeah. If Aaron Donald, if he wore a '99 Rams jersey, that performance would be talked about a hell of a lot more. It was. Is that getting hung? hung I, in the I, I genuinely think it was Chris Jones's best game as a Chief. Yeah, and he's had so many good games as a Chief, and obviously it was great that he come in the playoffs because how many games was it? Eleven games they said, or thirteen yeah. games he's had without a sack in the playoffs. But for him to come in and dominate a game like that was just unreal. Like you can tell that he'd been thinking a lot about what happened last year and the miss sack that he had on Joe Burrow. And you could tell that he was, well, he mentioned it. He heard all the Burrow head stuff. He, he brought it up in his post game. Oh, they were brilliant but, as well, man. But his, his performance was just incredible. And, and I sit there and every time he does something good, I just want to go at the let's trade Chris Jones crowd because mm. There are people out there. There's one particular person that's leading it, but there's a few people that agree with it. And I just don't. I just don't understand why, yeah. how you can watch that guy play football and think, oh, yeah, it'd definitely be worth, you know, just getting a couple of extra first round picks for what to do what? So, what to draft a player that's not as good as Chris Jones? Yeah, exactly. Like, we've already drafted away one elite, uh, traded away one elite player in the form of Tyreek Hill. That's worked out. That's fine because we have Mahomes. We don't have um, an equivalent of Chris Jones on the defense. 
And we certainly aren't going to draft one. Do you know why? Because he's almost like a generational type lineman. Mm -hmm. He's that good. He's up like he's been the best defensive line, defensive tackle in the league for like, or up there in the top three for the last four or five years now. He's about to get paid like it. I guarantee he becomes the highest paid defensive tackle in football. Well, but why would why 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 would you want to get rid of that guy? Just he's he's an all pro. He he sets the tone of defense and he's just turned up in the biggest game of his last couple of years and turned up and had the best game of his entire career. Why why would you want to get rid of that guy? I I just cannot, I cannot like entertain that conversation about training Chris Jones. And the the more great performances he puts in, the quieter the trade Chris Jones trade Chris Jones crowd is becoming because they they need to know their role and shut their mouths. The jabronis. The jabronis. <laughs> yeah, they do. No, you're right, though. You, you don't trade away somebody like that. I mean, yeah, trading away Tyreek Hill was was very different because, like I said, we, we still had somebody like Kelsey who was, who was there. And we had yeah. Mahomes as well. I mean, clearly, yeah. Mahomes makes everything click. We saw in that previous game, mm. that you know, the Bengals game, you know, he was passing to Marcus Kemp, you know, mm. and he was making things happen. So you know, it doesn't matter who you put it wide receiver, Mahomes is going to at least have a connection with yeah. them or at least make some plays with them. I mean, look at MVS. MVS had a 100-plus yard game. Yeah. Another one who had his best game as a chief. Yeah, it was fantastic. You know, anything that was going towards him, it was was hitting him like glue. It was great. But like you said, on the other side, you've got Chris Jones. That's it. Yeah. In in terms of like, like obviously you could, you can argue Legereus Sneed, but in terms of top tier elite talent for their position, you only have Chris Jones. And we need to give love to the other defensive linemen because they all had X. Mike Dana had an unbelievable first half. Frank Clark had a great game. Kyle Afters got himself a sack. But yep. I do find it funny that the Chiefs said that they they kept back stuff from the December matchup because they had a feeling they'd be playing them yeah. in the playoffs. Yeah. They didn't use that weapon of I don't know if you've seen the breakdown from Dan Oloski about how they that how they line the four uh, defensive linemen all wide, uh, one on the outside of the ta- uh, two on the outside of the tackles. And then the other two interior just on the inside shade of the tackles more on the on the guard's outside shoulder, which basically left the center on an island and one-on-one matchups across the board. They didn't show that front at all in the game in Cincinnati back in December. They saved it for this particular game. And it they showed they showed that front eight times. They had success with, with most of it. So you have to give Spags some some credit as well when it comes to this game because he called an unbelievable game and the, the 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 defense across the board defensive line linebackers and secondary were excellent like the young corners like when oh, Sneed went out I thought oh my gosh we've now got McDuffie Williams and Watson versus Chase, Boyd yeah. Higgins and I was like how if we don't get home with this pass rush at all this is going to be the longest game ever because Joe Burrow is just going to pick us apart. And even when, and it, even when the pass rush didn't get home, the Chiefs' corner stepped up. Mm. They 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 stepped up. There was a clear plan to double Jamar Chase at times with the safety play. If they weren't when they weren't doubling, they played the two safeties deep to stop anything over the top. Okay, T Higgins obviously had his amazing catch, but that sometimes you just have to say right, good offense beats good defense, and he did. Um, but there was a plan there, and when when they needed to make plays, the corners made plays. Jalen Watson had himself an interception. Like you hardly heard Joshua Williams' name called at all. That wasn't because he wasn't on the field; he was on the field. But when he when he was called upon, he'd done a good job. Same with Brian Cook; he had a couple of 
well, you can argue boneheaded plays, but at least he was around the ball. Mm-hmm. And then it comes to this deep pass from Joe Burrow on fourth and whatever it was. And it's Brian Cook making an amazing play on the ball, which then tips it into Joshua, Joshua Williams' hands. It's just across the board, and especially in that secondary, the Chiefs' defence was just unbelievable. Holding that offence with that quarterback and those receivers to 20 points in a high-pressure stakes like that, fucking fantastic. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, Kansas City defeats Cincinnati 23-20. to Harrison Butker, a 45-yarder to win it. Mahomes did not look, and I tweeted this out during the game, Mahomes did not look like a guy who suffered a high ankle sprain just eight days prior. All the reports leading up, and even uh, I think something that was also kind of telltale as far as Mahomes' high ankle sprain, him not having an injury designation going into the game, I didn't look at that highly enough because he was more mobile than I thought he would be, especially on that last drive where he picks up five yards on fourth down plus uh, the unnecessary roughness that kind of puts them in field goal position. But Mahomes on the day, 29 for 43, 326 passing yards, two touchdowns, had the fumble loss, which was a weird play. We'll get into that. Joe Burrow uh, looked very uncomfortable, uh, I would say, for large portions of the game, 26 for 41, 270 with a touchdown and two interceptions. Uh, it's the MVS podium game and should be known as the MVS AFC championship game, considering all the injuries that happened in his role stepping up. He gets eight targets, catches six balls for 116 and a touchdown. And the sacks, man, where they weren't last year in the first time around, Kansas City sacks Joe Burrow five times this time around, including two for Chris Jones, his first of the postseason. I got a couple things now, but we'll bounce around in different orders. You started with the rookies. So let's start there. Kansas City you can't say enough about the contributions that they got from rookies in this game. And I'll just read this tweet from Matt McMullen and just throw it up to you because you already kind of started on the rookies. Isaiah Pacheco, 85 yards from scrimmage. Jalen Watson, two pass breakups and a pick. Joshua Williams, an interception. Trent McDuffie was all over the place. George Karloftis gets his first career postseason sack. Brian Cook had the pass breakup that created the interception. And then, of course, Sky Moore, who nobody wanted to see catch a punt or be near a punt gets one of the biggest plays of the game on punt return, 29 yards to set up uh, the eventual game-winning field goal. Mark, rookies, I mean, Kansas City's not in the Super Bowl without the help of rookies. No, 100%. I mean, you just rattle off all the guys that contributed this past Sunday, and I think it's pretty poetic how Sky Moore was the guy that (laughs) got that punt return in the most crucial moment of the Chiefs season because, like you said, 
nobody wanted to see him back there punt, returning punts, including me and you, right? But he was forced to because McCole Harmon was out. KT, yep. Kadarius Tony went out. Justin Watson was Watson, out. Justin Watson didn't even play. So you had no other option. Except, I mean, I, he probably maybe could have done Trip McDuffie because he's done it a couple times. But Sky Moore has more experience there. So, and it paid off. It paid off, man. So I think that's really poetic there. Also, how about Joshua Williams? I want to highlight him a little bit more. Because when Legereus Sneed went down early in the game, I'm sure like me and a lot of other Chiefs kingdom were like, oh, crap. This is not going to be good. Because you know how valuable Legereus Sneed is in the box as that box yeah. safety, the, the nickel corner. He can travel as well on your best corner. So, And, and he's the most experienced corner out of the group, right? Because you have all these rookies. So he's kind of like that security blanket there that can bring the guys together. So now you're like, oh man, now we got to bring in another rookie in Joshua Williams, who quite frankly hasn't played that many snaps since they decided to move on with Watson as that guy over him, right? He was there in spots, but now he had to play majority of the game and he played really well. I mean, for a corner, it's kind of like one of those things, like a kicker, right? If your name doesn't get mentioned that much, it's probably a good thing, unless you're getting interceptions, right? Yeah. Because you want those guys to be quiet, not get targeted that much, and just do their job. So the fact that he didn't get mentioned that much on the broadcast, I know you were there, he didn't get mentioned that much besides uh, the interception, obviously. So that's a good thing, man. So shout out to Josh Williams. I always want to highlight him because he went to HBCU. I went to HBCU. So Salute. always always have some... Some love there from my HBCU guys. Um, also, Pacheco. He didn't run the ball that well, but he also contributed in the passing game, though. He had, what, over 80 yards from the scrimmage. A lot of those were those little short check downs. You know, nobody's open. Let me get the ball out quick. And he's there. Yeah. And he, it's a lot of yak. So I think he did a lot of good things that didn't go noticed as much because he didn't run the ball that well. But I still think he made some key plays, broke some tackles. So really, really satisfied with this rookie class, especially considering before the year, it was a reset year. We're not going to say rebuild because as long as you got Mahomes and Andy <laughs> Reid, you're never rebuilding. But it was a reset year, reload year. Obviously, you traded Tyreek Hill to get more assets, get younger, have more flex flexibility with the cap. So, you know, before the year, it was all about Buffalo, right? Buffalo is going to come out the AFC. The Chiefs will be in the mix, but they're probably not going to do it without Tyreek Hill. Now you have all these rookies, and like they say, Pacheco always says now, they don't call themselves rookies anymore because this is the second season. You're in the Season's playoffs. over, yeah. Yeah, you're not a rookie anymore. So, yeah, by definition, they're rookies, but they have a lot of experience now. What, over close to 20 games they played now? So they are not your typical rookies, and that showed itself this past Sunday in Arrowhead. I just had to take my B-Real. Are, are you on B-Real yet, or are you still – the game passed you by already? Um. Uh... The game passed me by. The game passed me by. Oh, my goodness. You got to keep up with the young kids. Kansas City's getting into the Super Bowl with the help of their young guys. Lewis Riddick pointed this out. It's the 2022 draft for KC. And, I mean, you can go down the line. Trent McDuffie's a first-round starter. George Karloftis is a first-round starter. You got Brian Cook, who's in your nickel safety. Sky Moore's your fourth or fifth punt return, fourth or fourth wide receiver. And then also plays your punt return duties. Joshua Williams is a starter. Jalen Watson is a starter. Isaiah Pacheco is a starter. Uh, that type of value, that type of uh, production, uh, that type of availability that you're getting from guys who are entering the league and going through their first postseason, Mark, it, it it's storybook, if you will, as far as what their contributions have been. And 
uh, kind of what you've gotten out of them. Yes, and you mentioned Pacheco briefly, um, and I'll kind of hone in on him. The run game left much to be desired, as it has at some points in times. And you saw Kansas City's adjustment in the game. They tried to run it through the tackles a couple times with Pacheco. It didn't work. So the the adjustment from there was, okay, we're going to use the short dump-off pass as our variation of the run game. Get Pacheco in the flats, get him chipping off the edge. Um, there, there's a play specifically, I don't know the, the timestamp, but he chips Trey Hendrickson off the edge, uh, gets the pass, and then breaks through the tackle and gets about four or five yards on a, on a play that really wasn't going anywhere. Um, so I, I salute these guys who you say aren't rookies anymore, even though they are technically rookies, because they have shown us the growth. I remember early in the season, you know, pulling my hair out and, and dealing with Chiefs fans who were pulling their hair out over Pacheco's vision. Yes, he had the energy. Yes, he had the motor to get there, but um, the vision was kind of limited. You can see where the game has slowed down just a tick um, to where he can contribute and, and be a key factor for them. Let's get to some of this sound since you said I had a, a, a goat, a goat, a goat on the field, a uh, postseason, post, post game or whatever. Let's start with the one that went viral. It's a lot of uh, celebrations on the field after third Super Bowl in four years for the Kansas City Chiefs. And I see, I, I see the Mahomes family coming down, coming down the podium. So I grab, I grab the elder Mahomes, and this is what he. That Joe Burrow pack. Cigar on your own, I see. Yeah, I'm smoking the Joe Burrow. You smoking on the Joe Burrow? I'm smoking on the Joe Burrow. How's know? it feel to be headed back to Super Bowl? Uh, it feels great, you know. You know, my baby boy did what he always do. You know, he gonna show up and, and show out, and I'm just glad he did it. <laughs> hey, before you talk about this, you know one thing I meant, I meant to say, I was going to tell you in private, but I'm just going to say it now. It's oh, like, now you're going to say it on the pod, okay. No, 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 but like one thing I noticed about your post-game interviews that I found hilarious and I love is you kind of like instigated a little bit. Like you get the guys like a little extra hyped up based on what you say. Like you was like, you smoking that Joe Burrow pack, huh? Like you gave him the extra like motivation to like keep going and get hyped. Like I like that. Like. Well, it just seemed like he he had something to say. So to me, I just wanted to give him the runway to say it. You know, I, I, I to me, it was a lot of emotion there. The confetti was falling. You know, you kind of in a, a situation where everybody's around you, like you you in the middle of the whole team. So you know, I'm going from one guy to the next. People were like, "Oh, you talked to the whole team." It's like, well, I was on the field. Post, like everybody's right there. So <laughs> yeah, uh, I give senior his credit. He was obviously excited. He was obviously uh, uh, a little energized and excited and a little. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all that all the above but uh it, 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 i kind of teed this one up to say yes kansas city heard all the talk uh, they heard the borough head they heard what cincinnati's mayor had to say you obviously heard travis kelsey's quote by now um this one th this one was special for them mark yeah absolutely i mean obviously all the talk leading into this game was mahomes and this group is on three against joe burrow and the Bengals. they own them is it their kryptonite they just can't get over the hump. And then obviously Burrowhead, that took off. And then the mayor did what he did about the paternity test, the scene of Joe Burrow as Mahomes' dad. Like, I can see why that made Pat Mahomes Sr. very, very upset because he's actually his dad. He's <laughs> actually his father. <laughs> yeah, so that probably uh, hit a nerve when he saw that, I would imagine. And you know what's funny about all this? The fact that he said the Burrow pack and all that. I feel bad for Joe Burrow because he didn't say any of this. 
But his name got thrown into it because they said Burrowhead, but Joe Burrow himself did not do anything. <laughs> he didn't do anything wrong. He's catching all the strays because his teammates in the mayor are calling it Burrowhead while he's just giving praise to Mahomes all week and saying how good this Chiefs team is, saying this is still the team to beat. <laughs> he's catching all the strays and he didn't do nothing. I feel bad for Joe. You know how it is when you when you're management. Sometimes you have to cover up for the flaws, and you know you gotta eat some stuff that wasn't necessarily exactly cooked by you. And in this situation, Mike Hilton was the one who kicked up the burrow head. And there were a lot of things coming out of Eli Apple's camp, not just this year, but last year. And that's what really, I think, what led to this big explosion of emotion from Kansas City. It wasn't just this week. And I know that that is what people want to hone in on, but it was the buildup of all three. It was the buildup of the games being so close. It was the buildup of... Uh, Cincinnati getting there and not winning. And then we saw Kansas City say some stuff last year after the Super Bowl. So, like, it, it, it this was finally the straw that we saw let loose. Let's tee up some more sound with Callan Saunders, who actually gives voice to why this one felt so good for the Kansas City Chiefs. You know what? This is interesting. What you just said, BK, like you think, all right, this is fun. It could set up for the next 15 years. I think over the next couple of years, it'll still be a thing. I don't think this is going to be. I don't think this is going to be a deal. I, I, I think the Chiefs are going to. I think that. I, I I don't think the Chiefs are going to be losing to them very much anymore. I, I like I, I if you truly like if you look at the games, like the Chiefs, the Chiefs have lost these games. Like they they have like they have like if you watch them, they have damn near dominated the games. Just weird things that you just cannot continue to count on and depend on. Have happened, just in, I mean, do you know how? Like, this is the part where I feel vindicated, and and I'll say this right now. Uh, I know I did this at the very start of this podcast when we first started it, um, and I and I feel like at this moment after that display Sunday, I, I need to do it again. Uh, I I apologize to Brett Beach. Um, I really do uh, for years and years. I really didn't believe he had very much of an impact at all uh, on this team. I called him Little Andy Peach. Um, <laughs> that was what he was to me, and I and I apologized at the start of this. Do you, podcast how bad do you feel about that? Because it like scale of one I to ten, I, that should I be like a ten. I, I you feel nine. really bad about that. I'm at a nine because at the very beginning, I truly <laughs> believe it was Little Andy Peach. I think he's coming to his own. Um, but when you look at this this game, as I said, I I, I feel vindicated. I mean, when you look at the rookie class and and how deep, not just the rookie class, but how deep this team was when they just started sustaining every injury. This is why I'm, I'm telling you, like, I don't know. Like, if Mahomes doesn't fumble that ball, and mind you, if he can get it out there, that's another 10-plus yards because they had that play blocked up nicely for MVS. If you like, like that, they're in field goal range, right? They just have weird stuff happen. I saw one of – like, people want to complain about officiating and talk about it. it's the AFC championship game, whatever. Everybody just rolling around cool on that damn taunting penalty that they called on Andrew Wiley, which is some, which is the weakest taunting penalty I've ever seen. But that took them out of field goal range. Like, like if they don't have that freak fumble from Mahomes that involved nobody, like – like I think they're going up double double figures, and now Joe's got to throw it every time, and they got to figure out how to 
how to how to black block Chris Jones. By the way, an absolute monster, best player on the field. I told y'all about Max Sharping. I tried to tell everybody on this podcast about Siren Sharping, and he stunk, 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 stunk. It didn't matter who he went up against. I believed God. It was. I mean, he was getting beat so quick. It was. I mean, it wasn't even uh, the first sack for Chris Jones. I just said, "Good God Almighty, Max is Max is fighting it." I was in the car picking up my family from the airport, and I heard, I heard Tony Baselli just simply stop after a play and say, "Guys, Max Sharping is really fighting it against Chris Jones. Really fighting it against Chris Jones." So, I, but but like I said, I owe an apology to 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 Brett Veach. Because I don't believe Andy had a lot to do with, especially these late picks in the draft. And you have two seventh rounders who are starting and had a seventh rounders. I'm not even talking about the two first rounders who had a huge impact in the game. I'm talking about two seventh rounders that are starting. You come out the game four plays into this sucker, your best corner, a guy that I think Spags had a lot of plans to do with in terms of the slot, covering chase, blitzing. He's out of the game. And now you got to put uh, a kid in here who struggled mightily against uh, against this group of wide receiver, especially T. Higgins and Joshua Williams. And he came in and showed up. Uh, I mean, the pass breakups from 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 uh, from McDuffie. I don't know what the hell happened to him on that third and 16 when he's in zone and he's supposed to have the flats and he just set to hell with it and left Hayden Hurst wide open, but we'll go past that. He had pass breakups. He was great. George Karloftis got a sack in the game. It was great giving pressure in this game. It's insane. Jalen Watson and Williams and I mean, everybody and all of the depth, Mike Dana, who was nasty in the game all over the place. Brett Veach deserves credit. And this team, as I said last week, is more than Patrick Mahomes, and they showed it, Sonny. Yeah, th- we talked about it all offseason and then into the year of how they were re- repurposing a lot of the money, right? They're they're taking it from the Tyreek Hill, Kelsey, Mahomes, that trio, and they've still got two of those three, of course, but they're pushing that out into other areas, and they're allowing themselves to kind of become the next version of the Kansas City Chiefs. That's yep. drafting, that's developing, that's spending money via free agency in smart ways where you can go out and get a Carlos Dunlap who came up with a couple of big quarterback hits in this game. You're able to go get a Marquez Valdez-Scantling in the offseason who had an unbelievable game, dude. And like that made up for all of the frustration of watching him this year. That one game was enough. Um, yeah. You look I don't, at- I don't believe, I don't believe Surtis given – MVS enough credit. I mean, you've run him through the mud week after week, and it's been time. deserved. It's been I'll totally you, yeah. deserved. I mean, I'll let me get finished, and I've got I've got something for MVS. By something the way, other. he's he has shown out against the Bengals both games this year. He is like the Bengals are his are his team for some reason. I, I don't understand why, but I'll take it. Like that that's that's good for me. And this was the matchup last year where you saw the lack of depth and this year it shows out in a big way. The other one that I wanted to give a lot of credit for while we're talking about Brett Beach and what he did during the off season, Ron, I remember the conversations that we had on this podcast right after the season about Frank Clark, everybody wanted him gone, everybody. And it was, I was totally justified. It was reasonable, man. Frank Clark has once again shown up in the biggest games of the year. 
Now, we can have a conversation. It's not for today. We'll do it later on, right after the season is ending, and we can determine the kind of where the team goes from here. Frank Clark's making a case to come back at this point. Now, it's going to have to be a reasonable deal, but he's making a case that he's an important piece once you get into the biggest games of the year. My man had a, a sack and a half in this one, three quarterback hits, a tackle for loss, was an absolute monster from start to finish. I I got to give a bunch of credit to Brett Veach, to Andy Reid for sticking with Frank Clark. And even through what was, I think, an underwhelming season, he didn't have a great year. They knew that guy was going to be able to show up when when the stage got the brightest. So kudos to them and, and kudos to Frank as well for once again showing up in the postseason and continuing to rise up that all-time list of the, the great postseason sack artist. I know Ron's very excited about that. <laughs> I think, and you know, we started the show with a clip from Frank Clark's press conference earlier this week, and he's one of the absolute best chiefs that takes the podium whenever he does, because he's always going to give you an honest upfront answer, and he he doesn't shy away from saying things to the media, and so that's interesting for us to li- to listen to what he has to say and pull quotes and things from that. But like Frank Clark, I think yes, he's proven that. Man, does that dude show up in big games and in big moments, but it's also just the veteran presence that he has in that locker room. Like he is an important member of their team during the regular season, even if it's not showing up on the stat sheet, because he is being a difference maker in trying to help develop the younger guys on the team. And that really matters. I think when you're trying to build a a team like this, especially with so many young players on that side of the ball, but he's been spectacular and MVS like we've been through this before and Come on. if you do it in the playoffs, the Come money's on. worth it. If you do it in the playoffs, then everything is worth it. We did it with Sammy. We've been doing it with Frank for years now. MVS is going to be a chief next year and he's going to be a chief next year because of this game, because of this performance. And when all the wide receivers got hurt, he said, I got you. I'll be the guy to make the plays. And he was the most important uh, offensive weapon outside of Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey in this game for the Kansas city chiefs. So I owe him an apology and I apologized to him earlier this week on the Arrowhead pride editor show, but I just wanted to put it back out there. I do owe MVS an apology because man, he was lights out. Like all of these passes that we've seen him drop this season, where it's, it's like, not the, it's not. And I feel like feel like you could uh, feel it, like it you is. could go harder at that. I feel like you I could you could um, you know made a made a move a little bit sooner to go up and get that ball. You're really tall uh, at the wide receiver position. Do you not know how to jump? Like all of those things were valid things during the regular season. Um, but man, he was lights out in the AFC Championship game. I think it's I think it's overblown. I mean, he dropped he's dropped a few. I, listen, MVS's performance very much like BK's thinking about Frank gets you to thinking a little stupid, like, like almost with MVS. Like you watch that and say, "Is there another step in there? Like, is, is there another? Is there another step for MVS? Like, is there? Because that dude right there. Because I'm telling you what, right now he should have had about 140 yards." Because Mahomes on a third down missed him running across the field wide open with the entire side of the field to run with on a third down. And, and, and I remember uh, the only time that Tony said, Tony Romo said something that made any kind of sense. He said, boy, that was a big play. 
that 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 <laughs> w- that was just a miss from Mahomes. Uh, but no, I mean he, he'll make you get some think start thinking something stupid. Like boy, he's something else. He's something else. By the way, real quick, Chris Jones, maybe the best player in the in the game. Were you were you surprised he was that dominant? Like we talked about Frank Clark, that was big. Those two combined for three and a half sacks. But were you surprised he was that dominant? When I say that dominant, 38 dropbacks from the Bengals. 31 times he was double teamed. He had eight pressures, five quarterback hits, two sacks, and five tackles for loss in the game. <laughs> what the hell? Like, were you like I knew he's great. Were you, like that was that was Aaron Donald in the Super Bowl. That's Lawrence Taylor. Like, did you were you surprised he could put that together? Yeah, I mean the the, the correct answer is yes because what you just said is is true. Like, we just watched one of the all time great games by a defensive tackle. Like, period. Like, end of story. That that's going to be on the list of when you look up most dominant performances in the playoffs by a defensive tackle. That, that was, game, I, I mean, defensive lineman. That was Reggie White. That was whatever. And it might not like it's not number one, but it's up there. It's in the team photo, right? And that's so. Yeah, I was surprised that he was able to do that in part because he had two sacks. Ron, we've never seen it. Like yeah. as we talked about it going into the game, and I think you said it. This is the week that it's got to happen against this team in this game. That offensive line, as beat up as it was, I don't care how many times they they're double teaming you. You got to dominate. You got to be the guy. And so once again, we've kind of talked about like both what it meant in that game and then also what it means for the future, Chris Jones earned his contract extension uh, on Sunday night. That, that's what that was. And not that it was like in question after the season that he had, but given the playoff question mark that there was about him at times, and he has been dominant in individual games, the numbers just haven't necessarily shown up. That, that was the game that you needed to see, A, potentially for a monster contract extension that is now likely coming his way, and B, to solidify what has been a Hall of Fame trajectory career. I think that's the type of performance that starts getting you in those conversations as well. So, yeah, it surprised me, but, man, they needed it. They needed every bit of it. His performance was, like, you know, Aaron Donald is the type of guy that you initially think of because they're both, like, interior guys who can move around the line and just be dominant wherever you put them, but... It was also similar to like Von Miller's playoff run when Von Miller carried the defense and Peyton Manning to a Super Bowl championship. Like that's how dominant Chris Jones was. And I know he didn't register a sack against the Jags, but he was still really, really good against the Jags. Like he was still disrupting things that entire game. And he's been doing that all season. But I think it was fair to question it because we were chasing that with Chris Jones for a long time. Like, man, when this guy looks like he turns it on, he can blow up games with the best people in the NFL and, but it was inconsistent. And this is the first year of his NFL career where I think he put it together from start to finish. And now we're seeing it pay off in the playoffs that he is playing at the highest level of his NFL career. And I I think it has been good enough for him to get a serious extension because he's still a fairly young player who is getting up there in age, but like he's still a cornerstone defensive player that you can build around. And that performance alone is enough to say, yeah, we can't let that guy leave the building because the reason we can add all these other veteran guys and and things like that and make them effective is because of everything that he does for us. He is to the defense what Travis Kelsey is to the offense. Like that, that's what he's become. 
The Current Podcast is back with an exciting new season featuring marketing executives from the world's most influential brands. Tune in to hear what's driving conversation in the fast-moving world of digital advertising with unique insights from brands as diverse as Hilton, Instacart, Moderna, Major League Soccer, and more. And in this presidential election season, The Current explores what a national political advertiser like the National Republican Senatorial Committee and a major CPG brand like Hershey can learn from each other. Listen in and subscribe to The Current at thecurrent.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this show comes from Wix Studio. Designers and devs, you might be able to do your thing better on Wix Studio a web platform with everything you need to deliver bespoke sites hyper-efficiently. Design teams get a ton of smart features that can take the grind out of web creation without it costing per-pixel control. Dev teams, you get a zero-setup, developer-first environment combined with an AI code assistant and your preferred IDE for rapid deployment. Search Wix Studio today to explore the full range of features.